Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. All right, we're going to invite you to come back to your seats because we want to get on with, um, well, frankly, if you thought the first half of the service was good today, I think you're going to find the second half of the service is even better because, uh, you know, what God's doing in our church and what he's doing through Pastor Ed, that's just, that's just the stuff we showed up and received from this morning. But now we get to have the stuff that is, has been prepared and prayed over and uh, waited on, and it's going to be rich and it's going to be good. So I'm going to invite you to, uh, to hurry back to your seats. If you're still out in the lobby, uh, check your kids in. And by that I mean just kick them in the butt down the hallway. Uh, it's like a pinball machine. Eventually they'll find their way to the right place in the corridor, and it'll all be good because nothing else, God will protect your children within these walls at least, um, and our people will out there to protect your children, so they're good. But I just, I just want to, I'm going to give a little moment of pause here just so as many of us are back as possible uh, because it's right to show honor to Pastor Ed who has been a friend for many, many years. Uh, in fact, I've known Pastor Ed now for, I guess officially it'd be like 13 or 14 years that we have history together. Uh, but many of you know, those of you who are fairly new to our church would not know that uh, Daystar Church in Edmonton was the church that partnered with us as we planted. We had no one else. We'd never done it before, but they had. So we were totally naive and said, hey, how do we do this if we're supposed to do this? And they prayed about it, and they put their hand to the work with us and uh, showed up at, at very uh, key times when we were maybe a little discouraged and flattened out. And they gave financially to our church in times where, you know, we needed a breakthrough somewhere. And uh, it has been an honor to have such great friends in the ministry. So would you please honor Pastor Ed this morning as he comes to preach by clapping your hands. And uh, let's hear what God has for him, from him. Oh, that's hot. Praise God. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I can't see many of you, and uh, there, I should have brought my baseball cap here this morning, but praise God. Hey, it's so good to be in Generations Church and see what God is doing in beautiful northern Alberta. It was a great drive in yesterday, and I can see why people want to live in Grand Prairie, because I'm telling you, when I was going through that valley, all of the colors on the trees and uh, the, just the beauty of the big sky that you could see. I mean, it was so picturesque. It was like God just uh, put that together for my enjoyment on the way up to, to be here with you all. And I just want to say it's, it's so good to be with Travis and Amy and, and Randy and Brenda again. And it just feels like I'm part of the family up here. It's been a couple years since I've been here, but I just want to say that, you know, if I was in Grand Prairie looking for a church. I think my search would be over if I came to this house. And I just want to ask, you know, if you would indulge me a little bit. If you have just started attending this church in the last year, would you please lift up your hand and just slip up your hand? Yeah, see those hands? Yeah, yeah, I see that hand. Absolutely. Praise God. It's good to see people coming and joining and supporting the work of God. And I just sensed in my spirit as we were worshiping that we really need to rally in these days for the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ like never before. And I just want to encourage you to be part of the house of God in a very intentional and deliberate way, that you would 
be here to support and lend a hand and, and be a part of what's going on in this community of believers and Christians because I want to tell you, I know that the ministry is really tough. I've been at the ministry for 21 years, and, and, I, and I was telling uh, a, a brother and sister who came from Daystar and that I sent up here, actually, because they, they got transferred. You know, I've never missed church for more than three Sundays in 34 years, and, and until, until I took my vacation last week, or back in August, and so it was quite uh, a little anxious for me, because it, it's not the attendance that matters so much, but it's the presence of God that I sense when believers are gathered together and they're, they're worshiping Jesus Christ and they're exalting the name of the Lord and they're gathering to the word of God. You know, I, I'm telling you, there's something supernatural about it. And when I got saved at 19 years of age, not attending church and was baptized in the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues and just get this saturation from the Lord, nothing else in this world satisfies after that. I, I hope you know what I'm talking about. With that being said, let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for this church. Lord, I pray for open hearts this morning and that the true teacher, the Holy Spirit, would come and help me preach this word this morning and bring this food, this living word, this eternal word to their hearts, Lord. And God, I pray that you would feed into them, Lord, your truth, because it's your truth that sets us free. Lord, I pray that you would open up hearts. Lord, I pray that you would turn away captivity of the mind and of the soul. Lord, I pray that you would help people that are dealing with deep struggles in their lives and in their families and marriages today in this place, Lord, and that you would liberate them afresh and give them a breakthrough through your word. Speak through this word. It's your holy word. Lord, let faith and encouragement be built into all of us today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you today about salvation. Because I think salvation might mean some different things to different people. And perhaps you've been a Christian, raised in a Christian home, and understand the idea of, of, of salvation and what it means. But I want to remind you of what it means today. And how valuable it is and what a beautiful gift it is from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 out of the NIV. Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church. A church with uh, people that had come out of a variety of different lifestyles and sins and problems and bondages. And he says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation... I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And so this message that I'm bringing to you today is called Salvation Now. It's salvation now. It's not yesterday. It's not I might get around to it someday. It's now. You know, I looked up this word now in the Oxford Dictionary, and it means to act immediately. To be in the moment very quickly. To respond and to, to be urgent in this situation. I believe parents understand the word now when they're addressing their children from time to time. I've raised two children. They're adult children now. And um, there was a time when I'd say, 
Dylan, would you please clean your room? And he wouldn't act with any immediacy or be in the moment when I asked him to do that. So I would raise my voice just a little bit louder and I'd say, Dylan, could you please clean your room? And he would just be playing with his cars and passively ignoring me. I, I think if you have children, they, they might do that from time to time. But when I said, clean your room now, somehow there was a revelation, a blinding flash that just came across his eyes and our eyes would lock. But there would be a response that would come. How many moms and dads know what I'm talking about? How many get this, this word now? It's an important word, and as a preacher and a teacher, I'm about words. I, I look to words and their definitions and how to apply them to my life, but I want to tell you that Jesus is a relevant and in-the-moment kind of Savior in your life. I want you to know that Jesus is a, a God of immediacy and he responds to you more than you realize because he's an in-the-moment kind of savior. He's an in-the-moment kind of uh, attender of this church. He's the builder of this church. He's not ignoring your exploits. Every prayer, every uh, <clears throat> generous gift or donation, every tithe is building this church and Jesus is an in-the-moment God, and the gospel message is a relevant message. It's a now message. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't truly understand the definition of the gospel. And I want to tell you that the gospel is not a doctrine. It's a proclamation between two very significant events. The first event being the first coming of Christ, and the second event being the second coming of Christ. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ is going to come and his reward will be with him to those that have laid their lives down for him and called him Lord. That's the gospel. The gospel is good news. And I want you to know it's a reflection of the heart of a good God, a good father God. God is not an angry tyrant frustrated with the human race. He's looking at people and he's... he's his, the time of his favor is upon us. The time of his favor is now. And he wants to redeem the people of God. He wants to redeem the sinner and pull them out of their captivity and bring them into, their, into his kingdom and to transform their lives. And, and I want to tell you that the gospel is a relevant message. It's not some kind of archaic thing from the past and, and that somehow God is this far off, distant God and he's looking into our world with such passivity that he's not engaged. He sent his Holy Spirit and his servants into this place and into your life. And there's a reason why you're here. It's not by coincidence that you're here because I want you to know that salvation is a now kind of thing that's operating in this place and in your life more than you realize. And I know we get wrapped up with, why, with life. We get uh, trials and struggles that come upon us that take us by surprise. But I want you to know that salvation is now. Now here's something for you to consider is that salvation now appeals for a response from men and the people that hear it as well. You know, I, I fear sometimes that the people of God become calloused of heart, that when they hear the word of God, it doesn't affect them anymore at times. And, 
And so I pray fervently for my own people in the church that I pastor that the word of God would have some kind of, uh, of impact on people. And I pray that this message has a great deal of penetration in your own heart and your own life. Because I want to tell you, it's a dangerous thing to sit under the word of God month after month, year after year. And there's absolutely no response that comes from a heart. The message of the gospel invokes a response in people. And, and I want to say this. The gospel message provokes a decision in people. I know what I'm talking about because God tried to reach me for years and I rejected him over and over again. And then he finally got to me through somebody. But it took a long time, but I would get colder and colder and sin harder and harder and run further and further away from God, but I couldn't outrun God because God would just show up wherever I was. I want to tell you that, that God has shown up for some of you today. It, it, it's, it's a time where the Lord is trying to do something in you. He's, he's trying to break you into something afresh today. And I want you to understand it's dangerous to make God wait for the decision for your mortal soul. It's dangerous to make God wait for your surrender. So I encourage you that salvation now is urgently necessary in your own personal life. And it's necessary for this generation. And I want to encourage you that Jesus is the only rational choice to make in a world and a culture gone mad. It's gone mad. It's off the rails now in our nation. Look at the United States, how divided it is. Look at Canada, how torn up it is and how dark it's become. It's because people think that they can ignore God. And I'm here to revive you and challenge you today to be in the house of God and, and know that it's a privilege. It's a privilege to worship God. It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord in this hour. Make Jesus your Lord not just your Savior today. Would you please turn with me to Revelations chapter 12? I still like reading out of a paper Bible. I like to write in my Bible. I like to write statements and put dates down. And this is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible in the New Testament. And I have these words that I want to bring to you. It says in verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation. Now. There's that Word again, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Who's he accusing? He's accusing believers. He's accusing the church. But in verse 11 it says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Verse 17, and the dragon, that's the devil, was enraged with the woman, that's the church of all ages and up until the present day. And it says, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 11 again, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. I want to give you three points today. 
Because salvation now is not a one-time encounter, but a life that continually overcomes enemy forces in life. Aren't you glad that salvation has a starting point? But there's more to it. it, it it's a continual redemption. It's a continual transformation. And, and I want to encourage you to be involved with the Word of God as much as you can. But I have three points out of these verses. First, first of all, I want to give you the blood of the Lamb. See, salvation now comes because of the overcoming blood of a sinless one. That innocent one, that Lamb of God who really is Jesus Christ. And you can't help but miss the symbology and the typology. We know the Passover lamb out of the days of Egypt under the administration of Moses, the lawgiver, how he brought in a Passover lamb instructed by God saying, if you put the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of your home, you're going to be protected because I'm going to judge Egypt. And when I judge Egypt, there's going to be the angel of death that comes. But when he sees that there's the blood of the lamb over that household, he's going to pass over it and leave that family alone. And those that did not have that blood on their home, they perished. Their firstborn fell under judgment. And it's a picture of our redemption today. It's a picture of our salvation. 1 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, Indeed, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. You see, Jesus was the precious price paid for your sins and mine. And we must understand that today. John the Baptist, when he saw his cousin Jesus coming on the scene as he was baptizing people in the Jordan River, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. At one time in the plan of salvation, that's, that sin was only covered by the blood of a lamb, and it had to be done over and over again once a year. But when Jesus came, he not only atoned for your sins and mine, he took them away. There was total forgiveness that came to you and I. There was a total redemption that came to us. The, pi the price was fully paid. You know, we, we must understand these concepts because it's important for us to, to be assured of our salvation and that this, this is one aspect for you and I to overcome. It's, it's not through the counseling realm so much. It's not through therapy and psychology. And I, I do understand that realm and it does have its place. But our redemption, our salvation was, was a foreordained plan in the heart of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's so precious. Bible says there's life in the blood. There's healing in that blood. There's restoration in that blood from the sinless, spotless Son of God. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3, verses 24 to 26, out of the New Living Translation says, Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. I want you to tell, I want to tell you today there is no other way to be saved than through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the only power that will break the shackles of sin off of your mind and off of your soul. It's got delivering power. Power over death. That's what makes us overcomers is because of the blood of the Lamb. It's covenant blood. Divine covenant blood. It's about having a covenant with Jesus Christ. 
The blood of Jesus Christ overcomes and restores relational failures where wounds and hurts prevail. This blood applies to the relational covenant that we have with one another as brothers and sisters. And it's a spiritual matter that translates into a relational matter. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 to 8 out of the Passion Translation says this, If we claim that we share life with Jesus or with him, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. So what's the example of that? Communion in church. So when somebody tells you, you know, I don't have to be uh, a, a Christian and go to church. You know, I can be a Christian at home and I don't need to go to the house of God. And, and although there might be a small truth in that, how do they do communion with the body of Christ? They can't. They can't because they're living in a sense of darkness by isolating themselves and not being in the house of God. I want to tell you, it's very critical to be part of the body of Christ and to walk in the light with one another, to walk in that freedom, to walk in that unbroken fellowship. You see, the blood of Jesus Christ restores and it reconciles us first unto God, but then unto one another. The healing begins on a divine level first. That reconciliation starts with God and your own heart and your own soul. And when that forgiveness comes, you're released. Because let me tell you, it's really hard to rightly relate to people when you're filled with bitterness and you're filled with offense and you're filled with anger against what somebody did to you. I hope this is ministering to you this morning. Reconciliation starts with the blood, with, with a, a caring father, a compassionate God. But then he softens the heart. He does something to your heart to overcome you and get you out of the way so that God can do something miraculous in your family and in your marriage and with your kids and heal relationships that have been broken for years. Isn't that a good word for us this morning? That's what God is after. Let me tell you, you know what God is after? Not partial forgiveness, not a measure of forgiveness, but total forgiveness. And that's how Christians begin to know what it means to be an overcomer. Because I see people, sometimes they get sweeter and sweeter the older they get, but sometimes they get more and more bitter the older they get. Why? Because they have not experienced the total forgiveness of the presence of the living God on their lives. Well, that's just the first point. All right, number two. The word of our testimony. This is really important. Salvation now involves an overcomer's confession of faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, we will be saved. We, we lead people to Christ with this passage. But let me tell you, a confession of faith, a declaration and a proclamation of faith that comes out of your mouth is so critical because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I want to ask you, what kind of testimony do you have? A testimony is an eyewitness account of what God has done in your life. You've seen what God has done in your life. You've seen what God has done in somebody else's life. That's what caused me to be so curious about the Christian faith because guys in high school that I went with that were kind of rough and kind of tough and getting into trouble, they would one by one all of a sudden be these soft, marshmallow-type guys totally went against everything that we 
um, uh, had in our culture in those days. And, and they were just, I want to go pray. I want to worship Jesus. I thought, man, are you guys in some kind of cult? What's going on with you? Well, we want you to come to church with us. I refused. I ran the other way. And it took a couple more years before I came to the Lord. But let me tell you, there's a testimony that God puts in his people. It starts with a healthy faith, though. What about Peter? Peter's faith, you know, didn't start out so well. He was very impetuous, angry, rough around the edges, kind of blue-collar fisherman. And eventually he acknowledged that he was a sinner and walked, began to walk with Jesus Christ. And, and then, you know, he got the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God. And then what happened to him? The cross came. The cross came. And he denied Jesus three times. And then he got right with Jesus again. And let me tell you, sometimes testimonies are trials first before they become a testimony. There was a trying and approving of Peter's heart. And Jesus reinstated to him, reinstated, reinstated him to become one of his disciples. He got out of got out of his hardness of heart and his bitterness. And Jesus met him on the beach at the last chapter of the Gospel of John, and they got together. And there was this beautiful relationship and this covenant that was made. And his testimony changed. And then God used him to birth the early church. I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter where you're coming from. Peter is just one example of a, <clears throat> a testimony that was in, in, in trial and a testimony that was being born. And it looked like things were really dark in his life. But he didn't allow his denial of Jesus to become his destiny. He didn't allow it to define his future. And, and, and some of you might be like Peter today. You might have this trial going on in your life and think that you've really blown it with the Lord. And I want you to know that you haven't. As long as you keep following the Lamb of God wherever He will lead, you keep following Him into His house. You keep following Him into His presence. You keep following Him into your personal private prayer life. I am telling you, the Lord will give you a destiny. And he will give you a future. So the denial of things and the trial of things does not need to define your life because God is interested in writing a fresh script on your future and on your heart. What about Thomas? He sh Thomas says, unless I put my hand and thrust it into his side and put my finger into the, into the hole in his hand, I won't believe that Mary and some of you disciples saw Jesus. It's too much. I saw him dying on the cross. It is not possible. And then Jesus, you know, be weird to be a follower of Jesus in those days because he would just boop, show up in the room. He goes, here I am, Thomas. Here's the hole in my hand. Here's the scar on my side. And those are the marks of covenant for the Son of God. And Thomas settled all of his doubts right, right there, right in that moment. I want to tell you that doubts are okay. Doubts are okay, but you don't want to live in doubt for the rest of your Christian walk. Settle your doubts like Thomas did and make a fresh covenant with him and a fresh surrender that says, my Lord and my God. And that's what Thomas did. And you can do that too. What about John the Beloved? The testimony that Jesus declared about John. It's one thing to have a testimony written on your own life. But what about John? I, I encourage you to read it in John chapter 21. This was the disciple that Jesus loved. That was the testimony that he had. It's interesting that he gets the last word in the Bible in the book of Revelations. 
gets a greater encounter with God. Listen, I want to tell you that in all of the relationships of your life, make Jesus your first priority. That is the order of relationship. God says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart first. Then like people, that's the order. Love people, that's the order. Because when we love the Lord, the Lord can deal with us. And he can impact us and write a testimony on our heart. About 75 years ago, 80 years ago, maybe longer, not sure. There was a 15-year-old boy in London, England, who was an amazing and brilliant mind, but he was an atheist at the time. And although he said he was an atheist, every now and then he would say, well, if there's a God, then why is he never answering prayers? And why is he never showing up? And then God began to intervene in this young man's life. And as he grew older, he was walking to the zoo with a friend, J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, he said, J.R., I've made a decision. I am going to become a Christian, a Protestant Christian, to J.R. Tolkien's dismay because he was a Catholic. We know who J.R.R. Tolkien is. I don't know. You might know who I'm talking about. It's C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis became a great Christian, and he has a great testimony, and he has a great legacy. We've all probably read and seen the Chronicles of Narnia and some of the literature that he has written, Mere Christianity, and he said, the Lord is either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's the legitimate son of God. And that was his testimony. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ is real, and he shows up with salvation now in every generation, but the Lord doesn't want you to be a sentimental Christian living off yesterday's testimony, an old testimony about what God used to do in the church and what God did back in the day. Listen, God wants to write a fresh testimony on this church and in your family history and in your marriage and in your family and in your situation that is really difficult. You might be facing a giant today. You might be facing a, a trial, a medical situation, a, a financial scenario that's playing out in your life. And I'm here to tell you that the Lord wants you to be an overcomer. But it starts with the confession of your mouth. Salvation is made through the confession of your mouth. Come hell or high water, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be a worshiper in the house of God. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And finally, they did not love their lives to the death. Listen, salvation now is reclaiming an overcomer's true identity. Some people spend their entire lives trying to figure out who they are. And I want to tell you, if you want to really know who you are, get to know your creator first. <clears throat> the one who created you will reveal to you the true you, who you are meant to be. But the only way to do that is to love not certain things. I think one of the main things I would draw out as a point today is don't identify with cynicism. Cynicism is that cold, smothered life. It's a defeated way to live where your heart becomes so hard. You're just going to get by. My life is just going to be this way. It's kind of a hopeless realm where you're just on autopilot. There's still a spark left, but there's very little. I mean, things are never going to change. And you, you know what I'm talking about. It's that cynical. It's that 
defeated kind of life. And I want you to know that the Lord wants to break that off of you if that's you today. If your heart is growing cold, if your heart is growing hard, because as Christians, I want to tell you, anytime the Holy Spirit or Jesus Christ intersects with a life, that life is redeemed. That life is transformed. But we have to forsake the lifestyles of our culture because they will absolutely smother the new nature that God has birthed in you. You have to nurture that thing. You have to take care of it. You have to feed it. And you have to pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow Jesus Christ. And as you do that, as you crucify those selfish realms, that self-absorption, that cynicism, those realms, as you take that up, the life of Christ will resurrect in you. It will emerge in you. And you will be released and you will be free in the name of Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Praise God. The enemy comes. We live in an anti-Christian society. Much pressure on our lives. But we can overcome this world through our faith in the living God. I just want everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes for a moment. and just want to, first of all, just ask anybody if they don't know Jesus Christ personally or maybe somebody has need to rededicate their lives to Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you please just raise your hand? I just want to see any hand where you want to just surrender afresh unto Jesus. Anyone at all, anyone who wants to give their heart to Christ, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you or make you come to the front. Anyone at all, okay. Okay, praise God. Just want to take another look here. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to pray for you guys for a second here, Father. Just ask that you would seal this word and people's hearts and people's spirits and Lord I just pray that you would work in them Lord a greater degree of redemption a greater degree oh Lord of transformation Father it's your word Lord that brings life Lord breathe on this word and breathe on the families of this church Lord and I pray that you would revive some here today and that they would come into this house as the worshiping priests that they are called to be, to praise your name and to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord, and to walk with you all the days of their lives. For, Lord, that ministry of worship is what we take into eternity with us. And so, Father, I pray that you would do your work in them and produce fruit in this church. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.